Welcome to the Defence Forces podcast brought to you by the Defence Forces Public Relations Branch. Hello and welcome to the Irish Defence Forces podcast. My name is Captain Kean Clancy and today as part of our series discussing the cadetships of our three services, we're chatting to Captain Grainne Keneally, an instructor in the cadet school, the Curragh Camp, about the process of going from a civilian to officer cadet to army officer. Thanks for coming on, Grainne. Thanks for having me, Keane. So um, when we were talking about doing the podcast, um, we thought we'd, we'd just structure it into some, sort of some of your own background. Um, we'll go into the cadetship itself, uh, how training split up into the various phases and kind of what you're expected to learn and um, how you develop from phase to phase and what the point of each phase is. And then we'll finish with an outline on the requirements for the application process. Okay. So um, first of all, a bit, we want to hear a bit from your own background. Obviously, um, what is it now? It's seven, it's seven and a half years ago, or is it more? Seven and a half years, yes, since the two of us seven walked in. Since we walked in the gate, as fresh-faced, people didn't know what we were in for. Um, but um, for those, Karani and myself, uh, we're in the same cadet class together, so we trained uh, to become army officers together. Um, but do you want to go into your own background a bit, Karani? Yeah, so I suppose before I actually joined the Defence Forces, I attended UCC, so I was essentially a graduate when I joined the Defence Forces. Um, I studied P and Maths in UCC and I was a qualified secondary school teacher. Um, I actually worked for two years teaching in Waterford initially and then down in Wexford for a year before I, I, on the second time of asking, applied again for a cadetship and was lucky enough to be selected as a member of the 89th cadet class. Mm -hmm. So... Late September in 2012, myself and yourself, Keen, would have arrived into the Curragh camp, fresh-faced, wide-eyed, and started out on a journey. Started off as a member of the 89th Cadet class after 15 months of intense training. Um, we had a great day in January of 14 when we got commissioned as commissioned officers, and then I was lucky enough, blessed to be uh, commissioned to 3rd Infantry Battalion in Stevens Barracks in Kilkenny, where I suppose I really learned. Um, my role and my job as a commissioned officer in the Defence Forces. Since becoming a commissioned officer, I was commissioned a lieutenant. I've had the opportunity to work in Defence Force headquarters in recruitment competitions. I've been involved in a lot in induction training, so I suppose that's where the P degree maybe came into the teaching background. I've been involved in recruits or two to three star training, involved in cadet training here in the cadet school, and I was also involved in the first Defence Forces employment support scheme, which was um, an initiative from the white paper whereby we just took in a, a group of civilians and put them through 10 weeks of military and civilian training to kind of equip them with skills and life skills to maybe um, improve their opportunities for employment etc okay. on the outside and then I also had the opportunity to serve overseas with the 54th Infantry Group in Undoff and the Golan Heights which was obviously the pinnacle of my career to date. Yeah, which, is, which is an amazing experience I'm sure as all of our overseas trips tend to be. So um, that's a very varied career, you, you've obviously gone through an awful lot of things but there is, there is a definite focus there as well though on training people and so, so this seems to be the path that after the completion of your own training that you've gone down so um, I'm, I'm going to use the phrase again that I learned the last that I not learned but I used the last time in the Air Corps podcast last week that you're you're kind of a poacher term, term gamekeeper so you've had the experience of being a cadet here in the cadet school and you also now have the experience of, of being an instructor so what like what is your specific role here is there a specific thing that you train people in or, or what's, what's the role you have here in the cadet school yeah I suppose one of the perks of that job is that we know all the hiding places from when yeah. we were probably here as cadets um yeah, no, my current role now, I'm an officer instructor. I would have joined the staff of the cadet school in 2017. I would have been a lieutenant at the time, just home from overseas. So at that stage, I came in as 
a platoon second in command or a platoon two IC. So it was an opportunity for me to understudy my platoon commander in command of a platoon of cadets. From there, then I progressed into becoming a, a platoon commander myself. And then eventually, I'm now in the current role of company second in command or company two IC of the current cadet class. So I suppose the platoon commander is very much responsible for the training, the instruction, um, and the oversight of the platoon. And as the company 2IC, I'm, I'm probably one step removed from that now in that me and the company sergeant are working in the background ensuring that all administration, logistical, all measures are put in place to ensure a high standard of training and to ensure that we're assisting the platoon commanders and in, and achieving the company commander's mission in, in what we're doing with the cadets. Okay, and I, I remember from my own training from regard to like a class 2IC, you have an awful lot of contact with them as well. That's the role that kind of makes everything sort of kind of happen in the class, like it's, it, it oversees. Yeah, there, there would be a, a huge um, need for, I suppose, I meet with the cadets once a week, every week at a minimum. Um, the whole point of that would be to discuss with the cadets, maybe from one step removed from the actual instruction, but discussing what they've achieved in the week that's gone before and what they have to look forward to in the coming week and also in the coming weeks and months in relation to their training and, and the various areas that they're going to cover in their training. Um, there's obviously a massive duty of care role from the company too, I see as well. So you're there as a support structure to not only the cadets, but also to the staff of the cadet school as well. We're going to talk in more depth now about the training itself and we, we've kind of split it into a number of phases which, which we have the induction phase the development phase the empowerment phase and the synthesis phase which are, which are the, the four phases of cadet training yeah. obviously you've, you've trained recruits before what, what is the major kind of difference between training recruits and training cadets is it just simply the length of time or i suppose it, it is an end of time but it's also the end product for the want of a better description but it's the end product that we want at the end from our officer or cadets there's an expectation on the cadets that they're going to be uh, junior leaders in the organization and with that obviously comes massive responsibility so we need to ensure that the, the cadets that we we bring to our training have the necessary character competence and leadership ability to be able to adopt that role um, that's the focus of the cadet school is to develop leaders of character and competence because of the responsibilities that will be on their shoulders later uh, on as a commission officer as, as, a commis as essentially a, a kind of a, a a junior leader and a, and, a, and a management rank in the defence forces. And okay, a lot exactly. of people outside, um, a lot of our listeners here who may not be in the military and may not know a whole lot about it, I mean, there's an awful lot of questions always about the differences and what is an officer. So we're talking about uh, how does the cadet school define, define that? So I suppose the officer very much, you use one of the words there, it's the manager and it's the leader, as I already alluded to. It's, it's the person whose responsibility for a number of troops and whatever resources may be under their command. So I suppose you'll see as we discuss the various stages of a cadetship, we start from the cadets being personally responsible for themselves and looking after themselves, being able to maintain themselves. And as they move through the stages of the cadetship, they then become more responsible not just for themselves, but for um, their smaller teams, such as sections that they operate in, into bigger teams, such as platoon commanders they operate in. But they're not only responsible for themselves, but they're responsible for every member of that platoon or team um, and all the equipment resources etc that goes with that I suppose small unit that they're operating within. This was described to, to me you're responsible for everything that, that those under you do or fail to do. Oh yes yes yeah. the, the, that tagline still exists very much in the cadet school. Um, so just just to kind of to roll back slightly small but so let, let's just give an overview of say, say day one so for, for people that are thinking of um, applying for a cadetship and hope, hoping to get to get an army cadetship. What, what is day one like? I remember we turned up in, in the drill shed, that the big empty room down in uh, at the bottom of the cadet school, and nobody knew each other, all standing around in suits. Just kind of give us an overview of, of kind of how the day goes. Yeah, so the very first day of a cadetship is known as the induction day. Obviously, they're being inducted into the defence forces. 
it's an opportunity for us as a school to bring your families in, um, to show your families the, the institution that you're going to be living in and training in for the, the coming 17 months. Um, you're brought to your accommodation, your parents or your family, your guardians are afforded an opportunity just to see the accommodation that you're going to be living in. Obviously, due to the nature of the training, it's, it's billeted accommodation, so it's communal uh, living for the first number of weeks or months of your training. And obviously, just, just to just yeah. to break in their small bit on the ground, this is for, for people listening. Obviously, we're recording at a time when, when COVID-19 is, is, is very much still, um, still an issue for, for the country. What we're describing here is an ideal situation, it's a normal situation, but obviously the Defence Force is following all HSE guidelines. Um, but we're going to describe what would typically be done. Yeah, so, so for my cadet class, I suppose, who would have arrived 14th of October of 2019, when they came in, they came with their families, they were brought to their communal accommodation at the time. Following that in, they come down to the cadets. And it's a kind of a house that the cadets live in. It's the biggest house you'll ever live in because there's approximately 40 of you living in a house at a given time. But there's certain uh, public rooms, kitchenettes, uh, an indoor gym, etc., in, I'm painting a very lovely picture, but we know there, I suppose, <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's not a holidays resort at all. But the families come down into the cadets' mess and here they're greeted with the cadets' staff. Um, they have an opportunity to, to engage with the staff if there's any questions, any queries. And also... For a lot of people mightn't have any conception of this in their families and they might know what this even really is. Exactly, yeah. It's like, we have different individuals coming on day one. You have some individuals who are actually previous serving in the PDF, may have been a private or an NCO within the Defence Forces who have applied to become a commission officer. You may also have members of the RDF who have experience as well of military institutions. So it would be familiar to them, but an awful lot of the people coming through the door, it's their first time coming through a military door. So it's an opportunity for us, I suppose, just to paint a picture of our organisation and, and how we operate, particularly as a training institution. In recent years, in fairness, the, it, it's become a quite a big event in that the Minister of State responsibility for uh, defence has shown up in order to, to greet the cadets on their first day and to, to meet the families and welcome the families to the organisation and the start of what is uh, hopefully going to be a long career for many of them in the Defence Forces. Okay, so families are down in, in the cadets' mess and um, say, meeting the instructors and what have you. And then what, what kind of happens then? I, I remember there's a kind of a bit of a So a then the lovely kind of stepping stone into the organisation, there's a 10-minute warning given by the company sergeant uh, just reminding families that in 10 minutes the cadets will be asked to, to fall in, as we state. So they, they gather in a, a group of three ranks or, or three lines and they're going to be marched off from their family. And I suppose this is a bit of symbolic of the, the individuals walking off into what is now going to become their new community and the new organisation that they're going to become part of. So they get their 10-minute warning from the company sergeants, families uh, say their goodbyes. At this stage, all um, bags, etc., have been placed in accommodation. The cadets fall in under the instructions of the company sergeants. Obviously, obviously we understand they can't march yet, so it, it's part and parcel of us. So they fall in, and then the company sergeant marches or walks, maybe to put it, describe it more appropriately, walks off with the cadets, and the cadets then commence their cadet training from yes, that moment, and the families have said their goodbyes. And, and they head away home. And they head away home, exactly. <laughs> um, into the loving embrace of the cadet school. So <laughs> induction, the induction phase, it's your very, very basic military training, as I understand it, from, from the very ground up. Do you want us to give us just a breakdown of the kind of things that you'd be doing? Yeah, so perfect. So normally the cadets join the cadet school at approximately September, October um, of the calendar year. From that period until Christmas leave, it's not what's known as induction stage. So we're inducting them into defence forces. And it's very much introducing the, the now cadets to military life, uh, military lifestyle, mi military drill, military skills. There's, an ex there, there's not much of an expectation, so they say, on what the cadets know. We have to take it that 
we're teaching them from the very, very basics. And that, that's a given because many individuals coming in have no military experience to date. So that's our responsibility as instructor staff is to start from an appropriate level and progress the cadets accordingly as quite a steep and learning curve, but to get them through uh, the paces of the induction stage. So what we cover in the induction stage, the primary thing really is the military socialization. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is it's the transition of the cadet from being a civilian when they walk in the door to now being a tested into the defense forces and becoming a soldier within our organization. And it's the same military socialization that all recruits do, that cadets do as well. And it's just part of, I suppose, how we operate as an organization and how we conduct ourselves. So that military socialization, it involves many things such as inspections every morning to ensure that we're dressed appropriately, that we're presenting ourselves appropriately, that there's an air of professionalism, that's discipline and dress and deportment about how we're conducting ourselves. As well as that, there's also elements of unit interior economy that happens in the afternoon. So what, what's unit interior economy? It's... Um, Cleaning. <laughs> yeah, it's an awful lot of cleaning, Clancy, you know it only too well. Uh, it happens in the afternoon. It's, it's really after the programme, so training has finished. After dinner, the cadets then have a responsibility to ensure that they're presenting the infrastructure of the cadet school in an appropriate manner, and that they're cleaning and they're, getting, they're presenting the cadet school with their best foot forward, ensuring that the highest standards are maintained, which is the expectation of the cadet school of high standards. Realistically, what it is, it's, it's a humbling experience. It's an experience that everyone does from cadet to recruit, prepares you for at home or overseas, be it captains as we are now or senior officers. It's the responsibility that you have to look after your own patch and you have to brush out your own room, mop your own floors, that there's this humbling experience and this responsibility and discipline is placed on a cadet. And we start that from day one in the cadet school. And also you're in close quarters from a cadet point of view with your classmates at this stage. And it's a good opportunity while you're here and you're not going anywhere else to learn about those people in your, in your class, I, I presume. It's a massive part of it. It's, it's an opportunity whereby the two of you are there and it's in the height of November and it's raining and you're outside brushing leaves. But you're also co having conversations, you're figuring out where each other is coming from and you're building that spirit of core and that teamwork that really our organisation is built on and it's, it's one of our Defence Force values that really we pride ourselves in. And it's so going to serve you later on in the course and it's going to serve you later on in your career as well. Exactly, and every member of the Defence Force is experiences the same experience. As the military socialization is taking place and you're getting used to basically being a soldier, being in the Defence Forces and, and, and being in this military environment, um, specifics, specific military skills in, in induction phase, what, what kind of, so I presume you start off on, the, we started off on the square doing foot drill and from there? Yeah, so the whole point of the induction stage is it's very instructional. You're told exactly what to do because you're coming in with very little experience. So what you cover initially, it's the inspections, it's the foot drill. Foot drills, obviously, where you're marching around in small units, be it sections or platoons, and learning the basics of our drill as an organisation. Um, you're introduced to navigation and map reading, the, the craft of map reading. There's also some weapons training, etc. So you're learning all of the very basic military skills um, that every member of the Defence Forces require. Uh, this is done in small groups of approximately seven to ten cadets in a room with two instructors or two NCO staff. So there's a high instructor to student ratio within the classroom, which is very important initially. In addition to this, then you also have a corridor system that we operate. Yeah. So you might remember yeah. that, Keen. Yeah, it's it's basically your senior class. So the cadets who have, who are already in the cadet school maybe a year by the time you're joining, 
And they're your mentors who basically assist you with learning all of these new things that, that's those, just been thrown on you. very basic things like polishing your boots, like how, how to iron a shirt if you don't know how to do that. Or, or exactly, how to polish your boots, how to lay out your kit appropriately, how to weigh your, wear your beret or shape your beret, etc. Things that normally you wouldn't learn in college or you wouldn't learn it in secondary school. So it's you, the senior cadets are there to mentor you through that, to assist you. And... I suppose it's a little bit more of an informal relationship than what you would have with your instructor staff as well. And maybe you, you feel more comfortable to ask questions that you might necessarily want to ask. Of, of that stupid question that you, yeah. you, you perceive as a stupid question is probably not. like They're the people that you can, you can turn to, to, to for that kind of advice. So with regard to kind of weapons training, in the induction phase, the, we the weapons that you cover are... Okay, so you start off with your own personal weapon, so you learn to style a rifle. From here, then you develop into section-level weapons, so you'd be looking at the general purpose machine gun, the GPMG, and then the grenade, the HE grenade, is also covered in the induction stage. So in the first three months of your training, you're learning your personal weapon, the main section-level weapon, so operating within a section, your main fire support would obviously be the FSG, the fire, um, as part of the fire support group, then the grenade as well. Aside to that then, you're looking at the drill, you're looking at field craft, which would be um, the basics of, of how we would move in a tactical scenario. So your, your camo, your concealment, your moving in formations, how things are seen, etc. So it's all of the specific military skills that uh, all soldiers would require to be able to operate in a tactical situation. Okay, so, you're, so it's, these, it's these kind of more basic things that, that you're looking to learn. And then onto like fitness. So obviously, coming in, people, like what level of fitness is expected of people? Obviously, we'll discuss the, the application process, where there is a fitness test, but how do you start building people up to, to a robust level of fitness in the induction phase? Yeah, so as you said, there's obviously an induction fitness test. And that induction fitness test requires 20 push-ups in a minute, 20 sit-ups in a minute. For a male, it requires the ability to run 2.4 kilometers in 11 minutes 40, and for a female, to run 2.4 kilometers in 13 minutes 10. So... All the individuals coming through the door have passed that assessment. So that gives us, that gauges for us exactly where individuals are at. There is an onus on the individual to come in with a basic level of fitness. Mm -hmm. We don't need you to be Olympians or anything like that, but we do need you to be conscious of getting in that little bit of training before you arrive in a cadet school. And we initiate that when we send you out your joining instructions. We also send you out a training plan. That's normally between four to six weeks of training. And again, it's just to lay the foundations for you before you come to the cadet school. Obviously, it's our responsibility when you arrive to progress you from the very basics in runners wearing a t-shirt and shorts to getting you to where we need you to be, which will be a combat level of fitness later on in the cadetship. Yeah, later on in the cadetship. So um, in order to accommodate this, we're conscious of varying levels of fitness. So what we do in the first week or two is we actually use the Defence Forces Physiotherapy yeah, Department. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah they're, they're excellent. So it's a great support structure that we now have. So the, the physios come up um, and they screen the cadets. So what we're doing there is we're trying to identify really early on any weaknesses an individual may have, any imbalances perhaps uh, between their left and their right knees or, or something like that, a weakness that could potentially become an injury if we don't address this weakness early, early on in, in the cadetship. So then what we do is we facilitate time for the cadets in the evening in their limited time that they have that they can do the exercises that the physios have gone through with them in order to balance out any weaknesses that they have so that they don't become injuries further on in the cadetship this is done then in, in we have a, a, a small rehabilitation center in the cadet school and the cadets are afforded the opportunity maybe 45 minute period maybe an hour period to just focus in on them little weaknesses to address them 
um, and also to do any recovery from the PT sessions they've had during the day, try to reduce the, the impacts of injury. So coming to the end of, of the induction phase, you've, you've learned how to look after your, your uh, uniform, you've learned how to look after kit and equipment, you have uh, learned some of the basic weapons and some, uh, you've learned your foot drill and you've learned some very basic field craft. What happens next? What's, what's the next thing that happens in the next phase? Yeah, so at this stage now, we will be confident as instructor staff that the individual is capable of admitting themselves and personal responsibility for themselves. And they've demonstrated, obviously, the character and the competence to personally maintain themselves in a military environment. So now the whole focus moves towards the leadership aspect of what we're trying to produce at the end of the day, which is junior leaders for the Defence Forces. So we then move into training that now focuses on small units. So I've, I've referred to a few times there, the section. So just obviously, you know, Kim, but the section would be a team of approximately nine personnel, two people of whom would be in command normally in NCO, and then obviously the, the seven other members of the section as well. So we refer to it as a section. It's essentially a team of nine. So what we focus on in the next phase, which our next stage is the development stage, and it's developing our leadership skills within the section. So now you're learning how to not only be responsible for yourself, but responsible for all the individuals and all the equipment, case resources that that section has to maintain. So this starts off by progressing onto section level weapons, which would be the introduction of the straw, uh, short range anti-armor weapon, and also the M203 grenade launcher. So again, it's a section asset that you now have to be able to command and, and utilize in a tactical scenario. Everything else also progresses, so we're now moving on to the academic development of the individuals. So I suppose just to mention at this stage that cadets, while undergoing a cadetship, are also undergoing a diploma, a level seven in leadership management and defence studies, affiliated with Minute University. So we start our academic studies also in this period between the, the January and July, roughly, of stage two. Um, there's two key tactical exercises then that will test all of this weapon skills systems that they've learned, all of this leadership knowledge that they've developed, um, and the two big assessments then will be section field assessment and platoon field assessment later on in the stage. So they're like a development of each other, basically. Um, so talking about um, that kind of responsibility and being responsible for, for personnel, and, personnel in the section, obviously with that comes increased pressure and put, putting increased pressure on, on, on the kid, but that's all part of the process. Yeah, exactly. So at this stage, the cadets have proven themselves to be able to maintain themselves and to now move on to the development, which is the leadership side of it. So what we in turn do is put back onto them additional responsibility. So now the cadets will often be given certain appointments. Um, there might be an IT cadet, so the cadet who's responsible for ensuring that the computer systems of the cadet school are up and running now obviously not above their skill set, but just they have a responsibility that if there's an issue with a computer, etc., they have to report it should an necessary chain of command. We'd also have the introduction of a cadet captain. So the cadet captain would be the cadet who has really proven themselves to have the leadership potential. So they would be appointed as essentially the senior cadet within the class. So as a cadet captain, there's additional responsibilities and additional expectations placed on their shoulders. Yeah. So again, this is a reward for what they may have produced to date in the cadetship. As well as this, we're then moving on to the tactical, so the section field assessment, which is the first real tester for the cadets in this leadership role. So the cadets who have proven themselves have been given additional appointments, but this is now where everybody gets an opportunity to, to lead their team or their small unit of nine, of nine people. So section field assessment, just to explain what it is, it's where we go through the very basics of an offensive action in greenfield tactics, whereby the section commander is in control of progressing their section um, across open terrain, knowing that there's a threat imminent as they move 
the section commander then is responsible for reacting to an effective enemy threat to the front, and they then have to lead their section from their position through the area to their limit of exploitation and taking the enemy, enemy position on the way as well. So this, there's an additional responsibility and a huge leadership responsibility placed on the cadets there at that stage. Of course, yeah. And, and these, um, say, for example, section field and platoon field, they're, they're very, very robust exercises. So along with this as well, you need to be able to lead your section while at the same time being under a lot, a lot of physical pressure. But the cadet school will bring you to a level where you can do that. Oh, yeah. So, so we, we talked about physical fitness in stage one and how we started off on our runners and our singles and shorts. By the end of stage one, we'll have our cadets in, in full military attire, carrying their own personal, being able to maintain themselves, displaying the same, the necessary robustness and resilience carrying their own kit. And this then leads into the section whereby you're not only carrying your own kit now, you also have to carry the section's kit as well as reserve of ammunition, etc. that the, the, the section may require as they go through their operation. What this requires is for cadets to be utilizing the cover in front of them, to be getting down on the belt buckle, to be crawling. So obviously there's a huge physical demand on the individual. And that's what we've catered for in our PT sessions where we've done specific battle PTs, specific battle runs carrying weight in order to build the cadets up for the section. Within, okay, within the development phase as well, you move from section field then, from a tactical perspective, up to platoon field. Do you want to talk to us a bit about what platoon field is then? So you've, yeah. you've, you've passed section field, you've shown you can handle a section unit in, in a tactical scenario. Platoon field then is? So yeah, the section field happens at approximately March of this stage. Platoon field then isn't for about another three months afterwards. So there's an opportunity for the bodies to recover by doing various subcourses before we actually go into our platoon level tactics. And platoon level tactics then is essentially three sections operating as one, and you're now the platoon commander in command of the three sections. So you've developed from being in command of a section of nine to now being in command of a platoon of approximately 31 personnel. Here again, the responsibility has obviously grown in that you're now moving more people across a larger terrain to engage more enemy as you move. So the responsibility is on the, uh, the platoon commander to ensure that they they have the necessary leadership ability, the necessary communication the ability to communicate, and the necessary control, command and control over the situation. Because there's, there's a lot going on in that situation. Because I, I remember when, when we were in training and like three sections moving at the same time, there's, there's an awful lot to learn and an awful lot going on. And there's a lot, of, a lot happening around the place. There's simulated casualties. The enemy who are waving a white flag and are putting their hands up. So then you have to go through your ROEs. Doom Commander has all of these moving parts operating in front of them, but they still have to have the ability to remain in control of the situation and be able to move their platoon through the terrain in an appropriate manner, ensuring that they're using the, the cover, the lay of the land as it is in front of them to accomplish the mission that has been given to them by their company commander, which would be to reach their limit of exploitation, which is a certain distance to the front and to have cleared the terrain between their location and that location. Okay, so again, it's, it's a very robust exercise platoon field again. It takes a physical toll. And then at the end of platoon field, when, when we did certainly have your march back from the Glen of Amal, which back to the Curra, which is, which is a big, big moment in the cadet job. Yeah, so th there's a lot of things that each cadet class talks about as being the pinnacles or the, the moments that I remember. And one of them in this particular stage is the route march back which is approximately 30 kilometers from Kumuni camp in the Denavamal back to the cadet school in the Defence Force Training Centre. It's a walk that's done by every member of the cadet class and the staff carrying approximately 60 pounds or, or carrying your platoon level equipment with you as you move from Kumuni back to the Kura camp. Um, yeah, I remember it. I'm sure you remember <laughs> it. It's, it's tough. It's mentally tough. It's physically very tough because you're already after doing a long exercise of 
crawling up and down ditch lines yeah. in the platoon field assessment that you did for two, two, three weeks, and now you're walking back 30 kilometers carrying a considerable amount of weight. There's no doubt that the feeling as you cross the sheep grids into the Curragh camp and turn yeah. left into the Cadets Good, that's the moment that will stick with you. It's not the it's maybe not the, the pain that the you went through to get there. Where you, where you're not sure if you're able to do it. But. Exactly. But when you get in there, and, and often that is symbolized with the promotion of the cadet from being a, a junior cadet to receiving their senior cadet rank markings, which is their first promotion essentially within the organization. The first kind of major achievement really exactly, in, in yeah. the organization. It's kind of an affirmation that you've proven yourself to this point um, and, and then you go on your summer leave. At <laughs> <laughs> long last. Just before we kind of come to the end of the development phase, there's a few other things like you mentioned that there's a number of sub-courses you do. What, what between section field doing for what are those sub-courses or what skills are you learning there? Yeah, so it's important as physically robust as a cadetship is, we have to allow downtime. We can't overtrain individuals because we're just not going to we're going to get cause injuries and we're not going to get the return that we need. So in the the months in between section field and platoon field, the cadets go on to um, I suppose develop their collective military skills. So what as you alluded to there, they do a physical training leaders course, which trains them to be very basic. Uh, physical trainers within the organization um, to do other courses such as a survival course um, where they have to learn to maintain themselves on the ground with very minimum equipment over a prolonged period of time um, and then other courses such as methods of instruction which is where you become the instructor so you've now gone from the induction stage where well, you were instructed in, on foot drill on weapons etc to now being the instructor qualified to deliver that instruction and, and again that's another sub course that we do as well as a number of key ceremonials and I suppose the cadets a huge part of the development stage is the various national ceremonies that the cadets are invited uh, and take part in um, such as outside the GPO on Easter Sunday, um, Royal Hospital Kamenum, and obviously Arbor Hill as well, another national commemoration that cadets provide a guard of honour, which is, again, another moment of pride, I'm sure, Keen, any of the ones you experienced yeah, course, yourself, yeah. it's, it's a big moment. It is, yeah, it, it, it is a, a very kind of, um, it's a very unique experience as well, and it just demonstrates as well, I mean, talking about all of that in the development phase demonstrates the huge variety of things that you're actually going to be doing as a cadet. You're, you're going, one, one week you're crawling around, um, doing tactical, field, tactical training and fieldcraft, to the next week you're preparing for a ceremonial or you're possibly doing some academics or you're doing a medical first responders course, you're doing methods of instruction. So you mentioned Grania, like going through the development phase, that you also are given a flavour for other aspects of the Defence Forces, like different cores and, and, and things like that. Yeah, I think it's a very important aspect of the development stage um, that the cadets actually get an opportunity to to go and see what the Defence Forces has to offer. So they spend a period of time in the Defence Forces Engineering School, uh, in the Defence Forces Medical School, the Defence Forces CIS School. Computer, uh, the IT, basically. Yeah, uh, communications. And they also... So, so by going to these schools, they, they just see what the Defence Forces have to offer and some of the different skill sets. Some of them may very well find themselves being, com being commissioned or... Into these courses. Exactly, yeah. or, or at as... the end of... Or as we do have now, you do have cadets who are definitely going to the engineering corps or are definitely going to the army. Yeah, so, sorry, yeah, you're right. Since, since our time is after changing, now there's um, particular competitions for army engineers, army ordnance, army equitation cadets. So this is an opportunity maybe for those individuals to see what their corps will look like and also for everyone else to realise some of the assets that they may have at their disposal if and when they are commissioned yeah, at the in, end in, in of their training. Or, or yeah. who they might be working with in an, op in an operation overseas. And then you also do a period of, of adventure training as well. Towards yeah. the end of so the obviously the training, it, it's very robust, it's, it's very thorough, and it's, 
it needs to be that way due to the nature of the role that it's we fail and the job that we do. It has to be like that. But I suppose in the Defence Force as well, we're very good at um, free decor and teamwork and morale. And it's important at home. It's important at overseas. And one of the, the mechanisms we use for that is adventure training that you'd be aware of, Keen. Um, so adventure training is an opportunity for the cadets for a week to go to be at Galway or to Donegal, was, as was the plan this year until COVID uh, put a stop to that. But we were going to be going to Donegal and the cadets were going to get an opportunity to do adventure activities in order to build their confidence, be it rock climbing, um, surfing, kayaking as well. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of thing. Like it's a different, a different collection of adventure, of adventure activities that... Number one, the cadets get a flavour of what the Defence Forces have to offer. Mm. Number two, it's a huge opportunity as a class to build a bond and to engage in these activities. And there's a huge aspect on the confidence side of it, whether it's the diving or the rock climbing. There's a fear aspect there for a lot of people. And this is an opportunity for them to develop themselves and progress themselves to get over that fear side of it as well, which is, again, another massive part of Defence Forces is that confidence building and confidence training. Yeah, of course, yeah. And after that period finishes, we're into our summer leave. That's it, three weeks of summer leave. Three weeks of summer leave, okay, where, where, the, where the cadets are just released back to their families, um, some of them going holidays or whatever. I don't think still, I want to know what they do on those three it's weeks their own time. It's their own time. I don't think leave. we need to know. <laughs> but then after the three weeks, are, three weeks are up, people have managed to kind of do the rest and recuperation after a very intense phase in the, devel- in the development. Um, you come into empowerment, which is the, th- the third stage. Exactly. So we've done our induction approximately three months. We've done our development which is near seven months. And now we move into the empowerment stage. So again, like moving on to the development stage, the cadets in this stage have proven themselves. They've now proven they're able to maintain themselves personally and they're also able to lead at section and platoon level in, I suppose, conventional greenfield, straightforward tactics. What you see in the empowerment phase is where their leadership training, it now starts to expand into more complex platoon and even company level tactics, as well as more unconventional types of operations that the cadets may find themselves involved in later on in their careers. Just for for people outside, company would be the next uh, denomination up. Exactly. uh, So where a section is nine people and a platoon is three sections, then a company is is roughly three platoons Mm -hmm. is how we operate within the cadet school. Um, and then they find themselves doing more complicated tactics such as a defensive exercise whereby now they may be establishing a perimeter and defense around a vital installation. Um, so this is where they're digging in and they're building their trench systems. and Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And they're bedding down in their trench systems over a prolonged period of time, awaiting an offensive action onto the vital installation that they're protecting. Yeah. So that would be a type of scenario. They, they also progress on to um, a patrolling exercise whereby they're expanding from just offensive actions to now going out, establishing OPs, your recce patrols, your longer patrols, etc. All now evolving from just straightforward offensive actions, from the defensive actions to being more active on the ground in a tactical scenario as well. Um, and this then leads into more specific skills such as fighting in built-up areas, mm. peace support operations, and even counterinsurgency type scenarios. As try, well. and give it, try and give them a, a grounding in all of these various um, disciplines and these various sort of comp- complex operations. Exactly. We're, we're really starting to prepare them for potential operations they could find themselves on if and when. That famous okay. line, if and when they are commissioned. Of course, yeah. And, and feeding in as well from, from the peace support aspect to, to serving overseas, um, which, which will be a huge milestone for them in their commission career if, if they should complete training. We talked as well, we, t- you t- we talked as well when we were um, discussing the podcast about the fact that a lot of extra responsibility is placed on these cadets who are now senior cadets building up as well to 
week, which is a great milestone in the cadetship when their junior class will come in. I refer to an induction stage that instruction, it's very instructional in nature in that mm. the instructors tell you what to do and you do it. Mm. At this stage now, the training becomes more directional in nature. So as instructor staff, we, we direct the cadets in what to do, but the responsibility is on the cadets to achieve that. It's, it, they're not been told exactly how to do it. They've been told what we need to be done and then they need to find the means of accomplishing that. Mm -hmm. So it's very directional in nature. And this is important because they're now becoming role models for the next intake of cadets, the next um, intake of a junior cadet class that comes into the cadet school. They are now the corridors like they would have had in their induction stage. They now become the corridors to show these individuals how to polish your boots, yeah. how to prepare your kit, etc., for inspections. So you're really seeing the responsibility being placed back onto these individuals now as senior cadets. Okay, yeah, right. And just kind of with regard to the physical robustness of it, that continues through the phases, obviously, because you have those tactical exercises that are still that are still require that level of, of, of physical... Exactly, element. yeah. So, so in the development stage, we talked about two key exercises. Now, both of those exercises were maybe two, three weeks in duration. But what you find in the empowerment stage is you're either on exercise or else you're preparing to go on exercise. So there is a lot more of on the ground, as we say, so a lot more tactical activity in the empowerment stage, you'll find every month that there's a key exercise happening in that month, be it the, the defensive exercise, a patrolling exercise, uh, a two-week operations other than war exercise, uh, a one-week FIBO exercise. So the cadets are either on the ground or preparing to go on the ground for an awful lot at this stage. So there needs to be that physical robustness and resilience that's been building since day one in induction training through the development stage and now in the empowerment stage, it's really their responsibility to ensure that they're maintaining their combat fitness, that yeah. they're maintaining themselves to be operationally effective on the ground in order to be able to support the operation and, and achieve the operation as well if they're in a, a command role. So you're coming to the end of your, your empowerment phase. You're kind of really, you're really in it. You're really kind of taking over at this point and you're kind of, you're, you're more than used to, to the kind of routine of the cadet school and you're more than used to everything that's going on. What then, what then do you go into following that phase? following so now we're moving into the synthesis phase so there's a natural kind of break in the christmas period that comes there so there'll be approximately 10 days your second christmas the so this is your second christmas but this one's a lot more enjoyable because the end is in sight as i'm sure you can remember as well keen um so when we got commissioned it would have been january but now due to the nature of the ketchup it's a 17 month ketchup so the commissioning is typically around march mm -hmm. So what you have is the last phase or stage of a cadetship, which is known as the synthesis stage. So at this stage now, it's somewhat cooperative in the nature of how the instructor staff and the cadets are working together. This is the transition of a cadet from being an officer cadet in training to now becoming a commissioned officer. This is where they get an opportunity to, I suppose, consolidate their leadership skills and they're learning the the real bones of what they'll do as commissioned officers. So they're learning the key crucial skills that they need, be it blinds disposal, which is obviously the responsibility of a commissioned officer. Which, which blinds disposal, again, is just for, for people outside. Yeah, so if you're on a grenade range and um, the grenade, for some reason, fails to detonate, then it's the responsibility of the IC of the grenade range, who is qualified, to go out um, after going through the necessary procedures and the waiting times to go out and actually dispose of um, the blind or the grenade that yeah. may not have detonated. So you're, you're qualified with that responsibility and that happens in this stage. You're now qualified to run a range. So you're known as what's a, a range officer in command of a range or mm -hmm. a range manager. So you're then responsible for ensuring the safe 
running of all ranges, all small arm ranges, so the, the weapon systems we would have talked to to date, you're now qualified to actually conduct that range and to be in command of that range. That sounds like an awful lot of responsibility for someone who's still in training and realistically, even on commissioning, when you do go to your new unit, there's still a lot of understudy steps that goes on as an, a commission officer in a unit whereby you're like a sponge and you're taking in all the information. Yeah, of course, like the atmosphere in a, in a unit is different to the atmosphere in a cadet school, of course, but you're, you're getting these sort of bare bones. Exactly. So you're, you're, taught, you're taught the rules, the rights, the wrongs of how to do it in the cadet school, but really the experience you get is once you go to a unit, understudying a, a more experienced officer who is who's possibly ran a range, et cetera, before. So as, as we referred to earlier, the synthesis um, stage is interesting as well because you're, you can see the commissioning day in sight. So as you come closer and closer to, to the commissioning day and uh, it becomes apparent that you're going to successfully complete training, you will find out where you're going to be posted after training. Yeah, so I suppose we fondly remember it as a stag, but it's, it's the day that you are actually presented with your appointment in the unit that you are going to be posted to post-commissioning so obviously it's an unknown to you you don't know where you're going to be placed will you be placed in one brigade will you be placed in two brigades will you be placed in the DFTC so a big occasion is made of it the entire cadet school falls in um, before you're given your appointments there's a number of key awards that are actually presented to cadets who have maybe performed best tactically throughout the duration of the cadetship who performed overall um, to the highest standards throughout the cadetship who performed maybe academically to the highest standards so there's a number of awards that cadets are given um, it's a tradition that happens every cadet class every single year and it's presented to the cadets and then the school commandant of the cadet school calls you up one by one and tells you your appointment so I still recall being called up in the cadets mess the, you would have been there as well Keen. and to be told that I was going to be anti-armour platoon commander's uh, weapon company in 3rd infantry battalion that it's a big occasion the cadets are called forward they're presented with their pip and they're presented with the appointment as to where they're going to be posted but unfortunately the pips go into the pocket for the time being because it's not until commissioning yeah. day that they actually officially go on to the show. Yeah, exactly. but I don't know, but it is an amazing day. It is, it's re, you're obviously really excited. You're in a, such a you're in such a particular environment, and the cadet school really does become kind of all while you're there. Because this is where you this is where you are. Um, that, that culmination is something that's very very hard to kind of describe, but it's an amazing day. So you've received your 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 posting, and now it's starting to get preparing for your actual commissioning commissioning ceremony. Yeah. So to celebrate, I suppose the stag day, there may be a bit of a function in the cadet's mess that night, um, a bit of food, a few drinks in the cadet's mess, just to celebrate your postings to your various units, and then the. Following morning all attention focus turns towards the commissioning day which is the big ceremonial event of a cadetship um, the ceremonial or excuse me the commissioning in recent years has been taking place in Dublin Castle and it's a massive occasion whereby your, your family and your friends are invited up um, I suppose to witness you taking the oath going forward receiving your pips receiving your swords as a commission officer and then those two words that we've been probably waiting for us 15 months for current cadets 17 months and it's the ligamock that your class officer who's been with you from day one to this day gives you the ligamock and at that point in you're no longer um, an officer cadet in training you're now a commission officer in the Irish Defence Forces which is a, an, a, an amazing day um, and then you go off and you start your career in your unit um, so kind of that that's a fairly good um, break I think there's an awful lot of information there about the army cadetship and what you actually go through um, and, and the whole process to take you from that civilian who walks in and is marched off on the first day by the company sergeant to a commission officer at the end in Dublin Castle or wherever the the ceremony is taking place. Just for those outside who, who might be thinking that this sounds like something they'd like to do, that it might be a career that they'd like to, to undertake. Um, the application process. So at the moment, 
the uh, 2020 cadets competition is open. Um, and can we, can we go through maybe like what the stages of the application process are? Yeah, um, there's obviously on www.military.ie, there's the career section in there and uh, the application process is open. I suppose the main document two of us will refer to is the 2020 terms and conditions mm -hmm. for a cadetship, which goes into detail each of the various stages. And they've changed slightly from when we would have applied. The overall process has so remains broadly the same. Obviously, there's educational requirements which are available in the terms and conditions. But the first thing that you will do is that you'll actually do a, an online application application form and a online psychometric test. Exactly. So you apply online, you submit your application form, and then a number of weeks later, once the competition closes, then an invitation email will be sent out to you um, with a link to your psychometric test. They also, I believe, they provide you with some material to help you prepare for that before you act or do the online assessment. So you do the psychometric assessment online, your results are consolidated at Defence Force headquarters, and a number of applicants who are successful at psychometric test stage are then invited to the current camp to undergo uh, various assessments that they need to pass in order to progress in the application process. And included in that on that particular um, stage is the fitness assessment, which we mentioned earlier, which was again just, just for people. Yeah, just to, to reiterate, so it's um, there's a certain BMI level that you have to reach, you have to ensure that your BMI is under 30 on the scale, and also you must do 20 push-ups in a minute, non-stop, you, you're not allowed to stop or take a break, 20 sit-ups in a minute, again, not allowed to take a stop, there is a rest that you can take, it's it's evident in the videos mm -hmm. that are provided in terms and conditions. Exactly, so there are links to videos posted online for how to do these correctly. Yeah, and then for the run, it's a simple 2.4k run. Uh, for males, it's 11 minutes 40, and for females, it's 13 minutes 10. So you just have to cover the 2.4k in that time, and, and that's essentially what the fitness test, the induction fitness test is. <laughs> also on that day in the current camp, there's a number of other assessments that take place. So obviously you've done your online psychometric testing, but there just needs to be a, a confirmatory psychometric testing done supervised in the current camp so again you'll be brought to a room whereby there's it's equipped to conduct online psychometric testing but this time it's supervised just to ensure that you are the individual I suppose that, that's, a, that's conducting the exam as well as that there's a group assessment and folks of this then will be to see how you engage with other people and how you work as part of a team which is obviously a huge part of working within Defence Forces yeah, the ability course, yeah. to be able to yeah. work with others um, you receive a job preview here from first of all from a cadet so cadets brief you on the training uh, their experiences of cadet training to date and also a, a newly commissioned officer will come back and brief you on what their role is as a commissioned officer having gone through cadet training and now being commissioned if you are successful in that phase um, it's the interview stage exactly so again a certain proportion of those who attend the assessments in the Curra will then be invited back again to the cadets mess in the Curra to undergo a competency based interview so again terms and conditions describes in detail the various competencies that have been identified as essential to become an officer in the Defence Forces. And they look for, in, in those interviews, they look for examples from the potential cadet's life where they have demonstrated those those Exactly, examples from school, examples from college, examples from work, examples from sports. So it, it's the onus is on the individual, I suppose, to have prepared examples in relation to these competencies. To successfully interview, you're then placed on a panel and then you're called for, for, for medical. For and, medical, yeah. yeah. You're nearly there at this stage. So at this stage now, the pool that would have started has been dwindled down um, as candidates have been found successful at various stages and a certain portion are called forward for a medical. Medical takes place in Brickens Hospital, which is a military-based hospital in Dublin. Uh, you're invited in a full assessment in relation to your eyesight, your hearing, and a full medical review by uh, doctors as well. Mm -hmm. And they then either find you fit or not 
to be a member of the Defence Forces. And then comes the waiting period to see if you have been successful to be a final, one of the applicants to be offered a yeah, position offered a, in a, 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 in a cadet class or in a cadetship. So it's pretty, it's a, it is a pretty long application process. It, it does last over the summer, um, but um, it, does, it does have those specific milestones of, of going through group assessment and that kind of thing. And obviously, you alluded to it at the start, Ronnie, but like, it must be said that like, I didn't get the cadetship the first time I went for it. I think I went, I went three times. So for a lot of people, it won't happen on the first occasion. And we would say to people not to be discouraged um, and, and to keep, keep trying. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you really want to do this as your career, then, then you'll keep coming back. And if you're not successful in the first year or even the second year when you, when you try. Yeah, I'm, I'm no different, Keen. I, I went for it the first year, I suppose. Just went for it. Maybe didn't do my mm. pl- proper planning and preparation for it. And I was unsuccessful the first year, but it was giving me a taster that you know, this is something I am interested in. The next time I applied, I made sure that I had prepared myself for my interview, thoroughly prepared myself um, for the various psychometric testing that has to be done and just made the extra effort. And to be honest, like anything in life, you have to make that extra effort. So I think there was a huge amount of information in what we've discussed today um, for any potential applicant to uh, looking to do a cadetship or any interested people. Um, I think there's a lot of people who can get from it. Thanks very much for chatting to us, Gron. It's very much appreciated. Yeah, great to see you. Thanks. For our listeners out there, as always, please keep an eye on Defence Forces social media platforms and military.ie for further updates on the Irish Defence Forces. Um, serving members, as always, are encouraged to check out the members area of military.ie. Um, for information on all service cadetships, please visit the current competitions page on military.ie. Today's episode was produced by Gunnar Porrick Sullivan. The Irish Defence Force podcast will be back again soon with another episode. As always, to everybody out there, stay safe.